This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. everyone, Pashat Vayishlach, 11.05, Tuesday evening, room is full of tzaddikim, full of tzaddikim, empty of Rosham. Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim, the fun of El Esav Achiv, Atzus Yir, Sidei Edom. Yaakov sent angels. Dr. Ashi, Malachim Mamish. He said, Mamish Malachim. So, interesting, I saw tonight that, I don't understand it, but I saw the safer. He sent the angels, but he kept his spirituality. Whatever that means. He sent the angel, the physical angel, but he kept the spirituality, which means that the explanation for that is that the angels no matter what Ace of Setter did would, would keep would stick with um, with uh, what's it called with Yaakov Avino and not go over to Ace of now you can see the whole time and, and that's the danger of assimilation we knew we knew Ace was his brother Right, I have Shar, I have Chamar, and by Yeshua Malachal Yaakov Leima Banu Elachicha El Esav again. Your brother Esav, we we got it, man. We know that Esav is his brother. What's going on here? Right. So the answer is that the Esav part we're not so worried about. It's always right? Um, so the danger for a Jew, here it flips it. It always says Esav Achiv, right? Esav Achiv, Esav Achiv. But here, when he died with Hashem, he said, It's separated. I'm worried about Penyami Bikani Amabanam. Oh, there's a ridiculous thing here. Because I'm scared that my brother, Esau, is going to kill, he can't, he hit, the mothers and the children. The assimilation is going to be on the adults and the children. The, the, the part that we have to be scared of in Golos is the Achi. Interesting thing. Interesting fact. I have sent girls who come from from families who were addicted to drugs, um, who totally went off the derech, rebellion, angry at Hashem if you even exist, cursing Hashem like totally. They went to a, an inpatient and became with in, in a Goyesha impatient and became crazy from. What's the story? I sent them to a Goyesha impatient, to the Mormons, wherever I sent, wherever they were sent, and they came out. Most of them don't come out from. But these girls came out from and told me that send me, what was it, one of them? Send me for Hanukkah a menorah with candles. I was like. Kid didn't even keep shop. It's like, what's going on over here? And the answer is that when they go to a non-Jewish place, 
they get their identity back. In other words, I'm a Jew. You know, all the other girls are saying like, what does that mean? Why are you different? Why can't you marry us? So she's like, because we're different, because I'm a Jew, because you're not my brother and sister. So they're in a, they're in a non-from place, non-Jewish place, they're not from, and they want, send me uh, apples and honey for Shoshanah, send me something for Shabbos, send me Hanukkah menorah, send me matzah for Pesach. They were eating Burger King last year, Pesach. Now they want matzah for Pesach? And the answer is, I'm not their brother, I'm not their sister. I found my identity because I'm surrounded by not, by not, by not Jews. You know, if, if I'm going off as a Jew, so I'm not finding my identity because I'm surrounded by non Jews. All these guys that are hanging out together. Oh, you got me in this place. My father, over some said, he never, he never felt more Jewish than he was when he was in the army. That was it? They got some ice, So he told me in the army, he felt so Jewish because they picked on him because he was a Jew. So he got more defensive that he was a Jew. You understand? So, so, so over here, this week's parsha, the problem is that Achi Esav Achi or Achi Esav, right? The Esav part, I'm not worried about because the Esav part, we know we're different. We don't, we don't, we don't mix. We're oil and water. It's the Achi I'm worried about. It's the oil and oil, the water and water that I'm worried about. And that's when we get complacent. When Jewish people get complacent, and we get used to the environment that we're in, and we don't feel different. The whole thing of Hasidus, right, of the Baal Shem Tov, was to keep you from assimilating, the Baal Shem Tov felt, you need to be very different. So, if we put a strimal on your head, and you're wearing white socks and you're a guy, and you're not living in the times of George Washington, right, and you're dressing different, and you're shaving your head, your hair, that gives you an individuality that gives you a, a makes you different, stops you from assimilating. So he felt if you look like me, okay, if you look like me, I shave and in a suit. If I go to a movie theater and take my yarmulke and put it in my pocket, you don't know that I'm Jewish. But Chsisha guy takes off his yarmulke. He's got a beard and payas and woolen sits is hanging out. He's going to feel it's not going to help. The end camp's not going to help. He's going to feel very uncomfortable. So the whole thing of Chassidus was to create another barrier, another language. We had Ace of Achi. We talked the same language. My brothers, my sisters, we're hanging out. We're chilling together, you know. We had the same language. We talked the same everything. But if I speak Yiddish, they don't speak Yiddish. So I got my own language. I got my own dress. And that's what happened in Mitzrayim. That they didn't, they didn't change their clothing. And they didn't change their language, and they didn't change their names. So, you know, if you walk into a business meeting, and they're still like, what's your name? Or you want to do something wrong, right? And you're like, so what's your name? Like, Avramel. Uh, who, what? Avramel. But if my name is Stevie, or Joe, or Mark, or Mike, I fit in much more. So, in Mitzrayim, they didn't change their name. They didn't change their language, they didn't speak Arab, Arab uh, whatever, Egyptian. 
And um, therefore, they look different. They didn't change it. <laughs> I remember the funniest line I ever heard from a kid in my class. I first thought I was teaching sixth grade, and I was, we were learning Shmos, and we were learning the Medrash that they didn't change their names, didn't change their language, and they didn't change their clothes. So this one kid gets up and he goes, no wonder they threw him out of a trium. 210 years, they didn't change their clothes? I'm like, that's not what I meant. But it was very funny. I thought, I thought it was pretty funny. That was like 40 years ago. Maybe today I wouldn't think it's so funny. Anyway, so, this is the problem. Save me from my brother. Save me from assimilation. And also, save me from the Holocaust. Send me beyond Esav. They hate us. Esav son is Yisrael. Mm-hmm. He could destroy both. He could destroy assimilation. Will destroy not only the children but the father generation. What? what? Assimilation destroys everyone. What? The children and the whole family. Because the father's going to work. He's also assimilating. If he assimilates and the mother assimilates, the kids are gone. So he's saying. Assimilation destroys Klaishol. That's the way that they, that's the way to destroy Klaishol. More than the, more than the Holocaust. Do you know why? Because if a Jewish guy marries a non-Jewish woman, it's over. Holocaust, we got out some, right? We we we, we regurgitated. But but it, but but if 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 a guy marries a guy, his children are guyim. It's over. It's finished. Right there. It's over. All the generations after that are guyim. So yeah, that's the that's the big kill. That's the big Holocaust, the physical Holocaust and the spiritual Holocaust. That's, that's the big Holocaust. And I can tell you something. I, every single day, I'm giving out the secret of how to break up a non-Jew Jew relationship. You know, we spoke about the fasting and everything. Whatever has to be done, I'm giving that out. That prescription, I'm selling every single day, many times. It's crazy what's going on on there. Why? Go to college. Hey, she's just like me. She's nice. What did she say? What did she say to me today? This is, this is a non-Jewish girl with a 27-year-old boy, Jewish boy. So the girl was saying to the Jewish guy, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. We're both good human beings. What doesn't make any, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It's not like a lizard marrying a giraffe. It's like, you're, I'm a guy, you're a guy, I'm a girl. Well, I don't understand why would Judaism not allow this? Like, what's the, what's the problem? I don't see a problem. You're a nice guy. I'm a nice girl. They're shama, oil, water. They don't understand what that is. That's Asa. That's 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 Achi. You get too, too used to the music, the culture, the way you dress, the way you walk, the way you talk, the drinking. The drinking in, in Klaishol today is on such a crazy level. It was also assimilation. The non, we we were never drinkers. The non-Jews go to the bar. Jews never went to the bar. It wasn't such a thing. You went to the bar mitzvah. Did you didn't go to the bar. It wasn't such a thing. Scotch and all this stuff. My, I, I was in shul. My father, after the evening, they had a little sliver of it, plum brandy, with some chocolate chip cookies. That was it. There was no. You go to somebody's house and like you want Johnny Walker. We didn't even know what Johnny Walker was. So so. It's part of the culture to drink. You know, it's part of the culture to go to a fancy restaurant, get a $200 bottle of wine. It's the culture. And, and we're comfortable in that because we're not being attacked in America. 
You know, there's equal rights and there's uh, and religion. So we're we're not being persecuted. And the danger of the Jewish nation is much more when you're not persecuted than when you're persecuted. Because when you're persecuted, you know you're a Jew. The Nazis didn't care if you kept Shabbos, you didn't keep Shabbos, you got up and, and said you were an atheist. If you were born a Jew, I think even if your father was a Jew and your mother wasn't, they killed you. So you knew who you were. But when you assimilate, you don't, it's much more dangerous. You don't even know who you are. You don't, you don't have any identity. So, that was a very big problem. And he was more scared, Yaakov Vida was more scared that, that Esau was going to get his kids. It, it flips it and it says Miyat Achi first. Because Achi is much more dangerous than Miyat Esau. When he's asking Hashem to be saved, what's, he's doubting to Hashem, what's more important for me to be saved? That he shouldn't kill physically my kids? We shouldn't become friends with my kids. And when he prayed, the whole time it's saying, Eisavachim, right? When he prayed to Hashem that he should be saved, he first says, no, first save me from Achi. Save me from assimilation. Then save me beyond Esav, the guy who wants to murder my children. He murders my children, he murders my children. My children, my children intermarry, they're gone. They got a Christmas tree and a Hanukkah bush. They're gone. So that was, it's this week's parasha, okay? But it wasn't over. When we go to the fight, the fight is so deep, there's so much medrash on this. He woke up in the dark. He took his, 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 his four wives, his two married wives and his two shifras, and his 11 children, and he went over the river. Um, and Yaakov was alone. And a man fought with him until the morning star. Okay, so the first question, we, talk, we always talk about this very, very much, is So, is not If someone's fighting, which is say, what's this Yavik? Right? So we look into Rashi, and it says the following Malamed Avak. It was a dust. Because they were fighting back and forth, the, the, the dust from underneath their legs, right, came up. Two people are fighting and each guy's trying to flip his friend, his, his other person on the floor. So he kicks up a dust. Huh? The the Malach of Esav and Yaakov Avinu. And it says that the dust went all the way up to the Kisar Kavod. What it says.
That's what it says. So he saw. He could not, the Malach could not beat him. He hit him in the thigh, in the groin. Dislocated. When he was kicking up this dust. Okay. So the question is what's the deal here? Why, what's this dust? Who cares? If I came in here and said, guys, I just came off the street. Oh my gosh, these two guys were beating each other up. Oh, you got to come out. You got to see what's going on. They're killing each other. But I tell you, and by the way, while they were killing each other, they, were, they, they, they stepped in a puddle and there, there was water all over the place. Or they're like, oh man, you got to come outside and see the dust that these two guys are doing. That's not, who cares? Their pants were dusty, their feet were dusty. So go to, go to the cleaners. Like, who cares about the dust? We care about the fight. And, and it's, it's talking about the dust twice, right? And the terrorist is like this. And I've said it before. And what does that mean that the dust reached the Kisa cover? If me and you had a fight in a dust bowl right now, it'll go up five feet. It'll go up ten feet. It ain't going up seven rikiyas to God's throne. So what's going on? What is it? What's going on here? What's the metaphor? What's going on over here? The Yitzhahara knew, the Malach of Adam knew, this is very important to everyone who's listening, he knew that he'll never be able to destroy the Torah from Klai Yisrael. He knew that in 2017, Tavshin, that there'll be many Jews that are learning Torah. And many Jews that are keeping Shabbos. And many Jews that are wearing tefillin. He knew that was a promise Hashem made. Yitzhahara knew, Yaakov Avinu represented all that, that he's not going to win. He's not going to win. We're going to be here. But the Yitzhahara said, I can do something even though they're keeping Shabbos and even though they're learning and even though they're putting on tefillin. If I pull this off, in the end, they will be doing nothing. What do I need to do? I need to kick up dust. Two things. There's, there's two, I'm going into two points. Anyone who knows anything about street fighting, and I learned the hard way because when I was in Mir Yeshiva in 1978, so there were a group of guys that, there were Italians that used to come and break the windows all the time and start fights. Actually, the Mir Yeshiva Avenue R on that side was from, but on the other side was Italian. King's Highway, in that place. So I'm going back, I'm uh, 61, so you're going back 40 years. So there was a group of guys that the Yeshiva didn't want the whole Yeshiva packing out. So there were 10 guys, Mitnick, a bunch of big guys. And when they, if they would break a window, the guys would shoot out. It was their job to beat them up. And they did. I like that stuff. Because I was a hockey player. I said, you know what? I'm going to join. When they make trouble, I'm, with, I'm, I'm running out with them. So on the other side of the street, the Italians ran into a building. And I followed them into the building. Which is rule number one. 
You don't follow anyone into a building. So I thought there were a bunch of mirror guys with me. There weren't. I ran into a building and there were like 15 goons, 15 big Italian guys and Wallerstein. I ran right into them. I was, I was dead. I was dead. I was one guy. They would kill me. And I just, I remember I panicked. I was so scared. I looked at them. I turned around. I ran for my life. There were like only two guys that ran after me. And then the other guy, whatever. I got away with it. It was a miracle. I said, you know what? I need to learn street fighting. I was coming from Muncie. I'm from a hockey rink. I don't know anything about street fighting. I didn't know the rule. You never run into a building. You never follow guys into a building. It's a trap. I know that. So I decided I'm going to learn street fighting. Rule number one in street fighting. If you're faced by someone who's much bigger than you, you're about to get your head knocked off. If, you, if there's sand on the floor where you are, pick up, instead of hitting him because he's going to kill you, pick up the sand, throw it in his face, throw it in his eyes. You throw it in his eyes, he can't see, he's got to get the sand out of his eyes, run for your life. Rule number one, if the guy's bigger than you. The Satan, that was his idea. He said, I'm going to kick up enough dust that the Jewish people will not be able to see the enemy. They're not going to be able to see me. Because they're going to have dust in their eyes. And then I'm going to be able to fool them. But much bigger than that. He was going to take away the pride and excitement of Yiddishkeit. What does dust do? Dust can't hurt anybody. What does dust do? Dust takes beautiful, shiny things, whether it's furniture or jewelry or whatever it is, and it makes it dull. And you got to come with your spray, which you know, and you got to you got to steam the jewelry, and you got to that the, the spray on the on the on the what's it called on the wood Murphy's Murphy's oil, right? To to get rid of the dust, and then it's shining again. So what the dust does, it doesn't it doesn't destroy your furniture. It doesn't destroy the silver, but it makes it dull. And Satan understood. That if I can make it dull for Klai Yisrael, the, the, the to- learning, I'm, I'm, I'm learning one of the Dafyaimi, but for me it's not exciting, I'm drinking my coffee, I can't wait to get out of here. Um, Pesach, you know, it's not exciting for me, I, I'm going to the store to buy salt water for a dollar, I don't want to make anything, I just want to buy everything, it's a schlep, it's a pain, I hate Pesach, it's a pain in the neck. Not exciting. I just can't wait till it's over. I mean, that pizza shop, five minutes after Pesach. I'm like, Shabbos is boring. It's dull. I sleep. I eat. I drink. I get drunk. I just want to get out of it. So he understood that if he could make Yiddishkeit dull and boring, in the end, the dust will reach the chair, the throne of God. And God will become boring. God will become boring. Just like the myths will become boring, God will become boring, and then there will be atheism, because there's no shine, there's no, it's not special. And that was the Yitzhahar. Yitzhahar says, I know I can't knock you, I can't knock out learning, and Shabbos, you know, and Sukkis. I remember Sukkis when I was growing up, 
we carried those bamboos on our shoulder, the long ones, you got splinters, and you hung up the Chinese little noise and whatever it is today, you, get, you buy a lighter sukkah, you push two buttons, it's called a pop-up sukkah. Nothing, you do nothing, you're not excited about it. Oh man, where are we going for sukkah? It costs so much, we have to go to Florida, we have to go here, we have to hang up decorations, I have to build the sukkah. It's not like, wow, let's go build a sukkah. It's like, I have to build a sukkah. Oh, an estrogen, a lulav. How long is that going to take me? I'm so hungry. There's no excitement in our mitzvahs. In the end, it's going to destroy God's, our excitement of God. And that's why a lot of kids today are just, just don't believe in Hashem. They don't believe in anything. Everything's boring. Everything's dull. Nothing's exciting. That's what this fight was about. So, if you look at the Pasuk, it wasn't that they were fighting. It was dust, dust, dust. He realized he can't win. Right, which is a representation of our children, your groin. Right? He dislocated all the generations to come through the dust that he, that he was battling with him. Yurecho, the reason he grabbed his thigh was because that's a representation of children. So once again, you have the word when? When he touched his children. Satan's whole idea was to take Shabbos and mitzvos and make them dull. And once he did that, let me go. I'm done. I do what I have to do. I got to go sing Shira. It's a different discussion because when a Malach does what he's supposed to do, so here he fought with Yaakov and he lost, and that's really what the Satan is supposed to do. So he said, send me a key, um, And he said, I'm not sending you. Yaakov even said, you just, you just mess with my kids. That 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 Torah mitzvah should become dull. You better give me a bracha. He knew his name. Why did he ask that question? What's your name? What he was asking Yaakov, what's your source? What's your source? Who are you? My source is the heel. My source is who I am, is the heel. The heel holds up the whole body. If you have heel spurs, you can't walk. The heel is the bottom part of your body. You don't think you need it. But you need it very much. If it's some, if you have a heel spur, you can't walk. He says, "But you're Yaakov. I'm Yaakov. I'm the one who held on to your to your ankle. I'm Yaakov. I know how to hold on. I know how to hold you back. But you're my Yaakov. Don't call yourself Yaakov anymore. You know why? Because Yaakov's not going to help you with the heyafka. It's not going to help you with the dust." It's not going to help you in 2018 that there's so many P- Jewish people that don't find pride or beauty in Klai Israel. I, I, I did this many times in my, in my, in my high school and in my seminary and, and, and many other places. And I went into a class and I said, write me down five things that are beautiful. Sunrise, sunset, a rose, a diamond. Nobody wrote the Torah. Not one person. It's not, it's not beautiful, Rabbi Wallerstein. That's not how, that's not an adjective how you describe the Torah. It's not beautiful. I'm like, that's the problem. You could be 
19 years old, gone through Beis Yaakov, gone through school, know Mishle by heart, know everything about Shabbos, know all the halachas, know everything, and tell me that it's not beautiful. It's not what Torah is. That's why isn't it beautiful? That's what's this about this fight. It is beautiful. It has a beauty. Yiddishkeit, Judaism, has a beauty. It's not a, a religious sect or a cult or a, it has a beauty. Asav knocked out that beauty. He knocked out the thigh. And, and how did he do it? Beheyafko. He did it with, with dust. And now, that dust of, eh, I don't like it. It's boring. It's stupid. Yiddishkeit. It went all the way up to the Kisar Kavod and all of a sudden God is not beautiful and God is not exciting and God is dusty. God, you're dusty. And that's the measure says that it didn't kick up dust, physical dust. Can't reach more than five feet or ten feet. Not not the seventh Rukia. It kicked up spiritual dust. The Torah is not shining anymore. It's is not shining and Tzniyas is not shining and, 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 and brachas and benching and it's like, oh, I gotta go through it, I gotta do it, but it's not shiny because, it, because. So he said, I'll give you a bracha. Dust makes you not have the ability to see clearly. You ever had a dust storm and it's swell in the desert? Wow. Mamas get grains of sand in your eyes, you have to bend down. In the wind, you cannot see a fo- a, an inch in front of you. That's what dust does. So he says, you need a bracha to fix what's going on. Okay. No more Yaakov. Ki'im Yisrael. The name Yisrael, the Sherish of the name Yisrael, is Yosher Kale. Is being able to see straight to God. No dust. No dust in the wind. Yosher Kale, no dust in the wind. There's a song like that. Dust in the wind, right? Okay. Yishar Yaakov. So you ask me what my source is. What's your source, Satan? What's your source? What's your power? What's your name? Right? So, first of all, Satan equals how much? Anyone here know? 359. Shin, Tes, Nun. Cards, playing cards. I know Hanukkah's coming. A lot of people play cards. Benny Sesla says that playing cards is Mamish the Satan. Kartin, Kuf, Resh, Tes, Nun. Kof is 100, Reish is 200 is 300, Tess is 9, and Nun is 59. Kartan Begamatria Satan, Rene says. You think you're playing cards on Hanukkah, where that, where that minute came from, because you, you know, you call it Kvitloch. Well, that's what he says. He says, you should know, Satan, Kartan, is the same, the same, uh, same Gamatria. He says, your name is Yisrael, Yosha Kale. Okay, but Yisrael Yaakov, you're going to give you I want to know who you are. What's your source, man? He said, Lama Zatisha Alishmi, why are you asking me my name? And he gave him a bracha. So first of all, I, I know I said this a few years ago, what was the bracha he gave him? The Terry doesn't tell us the bracha he gave him. I don't have my, my, my medrash here. He gave him a bracha. What was the bracha? Anyway, so he asked the Malach for his name, and the Malach answers back like a Jew. But he's not a Jew. He's a Malach of Esau. He answers the question with a question. He asks him his name. He says, why are you asking me my name? That's Jewish. That's not Gaish. So the answer is beautiful, beautiful. Rabbi Stern told me this answer. My student, Rabbi Yehuda Stern. He heard it from Eretz Yisrael in, in his yeshiva. 
He said, tell me your name. But Yomar, he said, Why ask questions? Lishmi. That's my name. It wasn't that he asked him, why are you asking my name? He said, why ask questions? That's my name. The Satan is built on Nike. Nike. Just do it. Don't ask why. Don't ask questions. Don't ask why am I in this world? What am I here to do? No. Why ask questions? Shmi, said the Satan. That's my name. So it wasn't an answer. It wasn't a question back. Some of the Tishal Shmi, what are you asking questions for? Just party, man. Just have a good time. No consequence. Do whatever you want. So this was the whole discussion. And that's why it's very important for every parent to make mitzvahs shiny. Make Shabbos exciting. I spoke about it by the Agurah Convention. Make Shabbos have games at the table. Have plays. Your little kitchen, make a Shabbos play. Have one candy. Have at the table... Uh, we did this in a Shabbaton with non-from girls. There was no way I could hold them at the table. And we came up with this game. It was amazing. And we went around the table, and everybody started with letter A. Something that starts with the letter A that you're thankful for. So the first girl said, I have a dog, and I want to say I'm thankful for animals. And we went to B, and we went to C, and we went, to, and we went all the way through. There were a couple of hard ones. I don't remember what Z was, but it was, it was nice. Not zebras, it was something else. And Q, it was very... No, they didn't say that. But thank you, I appreciate that. You don't have to pay next week to come to share. Um, so that was it, was, it was amazing. We had them there for three hours. Because then we said, tell me something that you feel you accomplished this past week. It doesn't have to be big. One girl said... My, my, I had a big fight with my friend and then she asked me for $10 and even though I didn't want to give it to her because I just had a big fight with her I gave it to her so I feel that I was I overcame my feelings we were like everybody was cheering and every single girl had an accomplishment so people could sit at home and have your kids say what, their, what they feel their accomplishment is create you know and they want to talk about things that we should change in the family let's talk about family dynamics you have a chance, but you can't do that once the kids are off the dark. They're watching upstairs a movie, and you're like, let's go from letter A, things you need to have a corsato. Bye! It has to start young. It has to be creative. Didn't this win? You know, shiny and new? You watch a bar mitzvah kid, this last week I went to the bar mitzvah kid. His tefillin are shiny and new, and when he, when he wraps it, it takes like 15 minutes. Wraps it like a like a tank trap, and then makes him real tight. And if one falls off, it does it again. It does it again until everything's like a perfect place, and you can smell the leather, and it's brand new. And my bracha always to my Mr. boy is, it should always be shiny and new to you. What are we on? Or if you wrap it up pretty much in the bag, it's already the things fall off on the side for next morning. Whatever it is, it has no ischachus. Now that, that's his kayach. He made Judaism so dull. So mechanical, so robotic. And he hit him in the leg when he did that. What? So the question is, it says that, we always, we always say that Yaakov won. He didn't win, 
For sure he didn't win because he walked off limping and the Malach went flying to Shemayim. So... What? But Yiddishkar is still dull also for a lot of people. Right, so it seems like he won, but he didn't win because the win of Yaakov Vina was that he was able to hold him down. That he didn't get killed, that, that he was able to hold the angel down the whole night. But he didn't win, he walked off, walked off limping, didn't win. We think he won, but he didn't win. Okay, he, he did um, win by holding him down because the Pusik says, uh, says, Ki Sorisa you, you were able to fight with me, to hold me back. The Pazik says that he won, sort of. But he, he's actually not talking about him. He, he's talking about Esau and Lavan. But Tuchal, you were able to, to, beat, to beat Lavan and to beat Esau. He didn't beat him, but he just didn't get destroyed by him. Let's see what Rashi says here. The angel started crying. Well, he's kind of he begged him. What did he beg him? Rashi says that Rashi says, boys, that um, when he said, why are you asking me my name, he was saying that every generation have a different name. Like this generation, it's technology. Last generation wasn't technology, it was something else. It was movies, and television, whatever. He says, why are you asking me my name? I'm going to tell you my name now. It's not going to be the same name in 2017. Then it was, let's say, Zara, right? We don't have Avoid Zara now. We have, we have technology. So he said, why are you asking me my name? My name is meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. Okay. I want to go to the story of Dina, but before that... I've talked a, a little easier to understand because there's, there's another place where was there a mission to stabilize people and... and With the oil? That they went to the mouth and the mouth saw them and she, she was around and she told her husband she was in, in the Hathor and the, the mouth was then with, with, with the kid and the other kid was and they asked what the mouth did and the mouth answers the same exactly. That was by, by Shemshin. Egyptian I gave him. Right. He said, don't, don't ask me my name. Because he also has, every time he goes, he has different shlichos. Right. Alright, let's talk about because it's a little bit before Hanukkah. Actually, I should have given a Hanukkah shit tonight. Okay, whatever. Um, let's talk about the Pach Shemen that he went back for. Rashi Perish. He, he left, he, he forgot little pots and he went after them. That's Canaan says, Levado, no, it doesn't mean Levado, that he was left alone, El Lakado, his job. This is the same can of oil that the Mishkan was, was uh, anointed. All the Caleb, Aaron, his children, all the kings of Kleistro, right? And the Bichashmur says, Shapashidu, Shapachu there. This was the can of oil that they found Hanukkah. You hear it? And where did that, that can of oil come from? It was underneath Yaakov's head when he was dreaming. 
when he was dreaming last week's parasha. He woke up and there was a can of oil. Okay, now. Why did he hit him in the thigh? Malach or Adam? The Medjitam Chuma Yasha and the old Medjitam Chuma. Why did the Malach hit him in his thigh? Hit him in the head. Kill him. He was hitting him. Hit him in the head. Hit him in the neck. Break his arms. Whatever. Why did he hit him in the thigh? That whole night, the Malach was fighting with Yaakov. He could not win. Maybe I'm not, said the Sutta, maybe I'm not fighting with a with, with human. Maybe I'm fighting with Yaakov Avinu's Malach, even though we don't have one. We have Hashem. Michal is a Malach that helps, that defends Klaistro, but he's not the one who's our Sar. Our Sar in Shemayim is Hashem. So the Malach said, this is impossible that a human being could stay up with me all night and, 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 and control me. Shem is a Malach Maybe he's a Malach like me. Era imhu Malach Let me see if he's a Malach or not. Miyad Nega HaMalach. This is very interesting. Yaakov. He hit him in the, he touched him actually, or hit him. No, he touched him in the hip where your hip is. To see if there's a ball in the hip, hip joint. A malach doesn't have a spine or a, a, a lap. Because they don't sit. Like it says, They don't, they don't sit, they only stand. He felt Yaakov's thigh bone, the ball of his thigh, he is a human being, so I could dislocate his his thigh. A malach doesn't have a thigh; he can't sit. He can't sit. Why did he hit him? Why did he dislocate his? Why did Why did he do that? Because the malach was Esav. Esav was angry. The malach of Esav was angry that Yaakov stole the bechora. So he said, if I hit him in his thigh, right, then I'm going to apostle him from Kahuna. He's going to have a mum. He'll be limping. So even though I see he pulled the Kahuna from me, I'm going to apostle him. And he says, if you take the word kafi you have a pen? Big kafi rechel. Bezis 2. Chup is 20. And the phase 80. So that's 102. Big kaf is 102. Yerecho, Yud is 10, Resh is 200, Chaf is 26, so you, that's 236. What, what's the total? 236, 238, 258, 258 plus 80. 338. You have that number? Is that, am I correct? Yeah. Huh? Yes. Okay. So, Bikaf Yerecho, we hit him, is 338. Why do you hit him in the Kaf? Lepaisle mikuhuna. You ready? Let's do lepaisle mikuhuna. Lamed is thirty. Pay is eighty. Vav is six. Samach is sixty. Lamed is thirty. Vav is six. So you have thirty and eighty is one ten, one sixteen, one seventy six, one seventy six, two oh six, two twelve. Is that right? Lepaisle two twelve. Yeah, 212. Should be 212. 
Now, Mikahuna, Mikahuna is 40 and 20, is 60 and hey, 65 and vav is 71 and hey is 76 and 50. 126. If you add them up together, what do you get? Hello? Liposlo Mikahuna. Liposlo and Mikahuna. No, it's three. Bikaf, Bikaf equals just the word Bikaf equals one hundred and two. Yurecho equals two hundred and thirty-six. So it's in the three hundreds. Bikaf, base is two, chaf is twenty, and pay is eighty. It's one hundred and two. And Yurecho, Yud is ten. Reish is 200, is 210, Chaf is 20, is 230, and Vav is 6, is 236. Put the two together, you have 236, 256, 258, plus 80, is 338. Mm-hmm. And Lepos, Lomikahuna, is 338 too. Now how do you know that angels don't have thought, don't have laps? Because when Abraham Avinu told them, V'hish'onu tachas he told them, lean under the tree. He didn't tell them to sit. Malachim can't sit. They don't have no spine. And no laps. So he was trying to find out if, if Yaakov was, was human. And when he found that he was human, he hit him there. Okay. Guys, you following me? You're sleeping. You're sleeping. Okay, it doesn't take a little to do that math. I can do it in my head faster. All right. Let's go and end with very important Dina. Who did Dina get married to? says, After they killed, Shimon Levi killed the people from Shechem. To save Dina. She was very embarrassed that she was, went through this abuse from Shechem. She didn't want to leave Shechem. I should walk around and be embarrassed. I should look like a low life in front of you. Who's going to marry me? I'd rather stay with the goyim. Here, she wanted to stay with the goyim, not not come out of the house of Shem. She said, "I'd rather stay with the house of the goyim because no one's going to marry me." <gasps> wow, I'll tell you a crazy story. We'll end with that. Shimon swore he's going to marry. Do you know? She said, okay, if that's the case, then I'll go back to Yaakov and, and the, and the Shvatim. So she married Shimon, then she, then Shimon died and she married Eov.
Another pshat he brings there, Shkat B'Shem Sefer Ir Binyamin, Shizvula Nasez Dina, not Shimon. And Rabbi Abraham Azuli says that Dina, Dina married seven people. Shechem, I mean what, Shechem, then Shimon, then Yaakov, then Eov, then Novel, then David, then Turnus Sifris, and then Rabbi Akiva. So the Dina was buried in Israel. We know where she's buried in the city Ara- Aravel, together with Nita Harabeli. All right. So what's the story I wanted to tell you? That she's buried in Arabel. What? She married all those guys. Rabbi Avram Azulai. I wanted to tell you a story, it just slipped my head. Oh. No, she married the Shimon. Right. Better to be embarrassed than to stay in a Goyesha house. That's how, that's how a person so doesn't want to be embarrassed. Very ridiculous. Maybe Dick. She wasn't going to get married. She's not going to get married. She wasn't going to come back to the Jews. And Shimon, Shimon agreed to this, to this marriage. I'll tell you a story. So I was in a psych ward, not me personally, but to visit a kid. There was another kid there that wasn't doing well at all. They couldn't get her. They couldn't get her to leave because she said, "The minute I walk out of this place, I'm jumping off the building." You have to have an exit plan, and she kept saying that. Normal, your normal stay was seven days. She was there already seven weeks. They couldn't, they couldn't discharge her because she's going to kill herself. So whatever, I got to talk to her. I said to her, "My hi, why don't why don't you want to live?" And she went through some crazy abuse. Um, physical, whatever, abuse by someone, a relative of hers. And she said, I am never going to get married to a man. And being that a woman is in this world, this is her, that a woman is in this world, the whole reason she's in this world is to, is to be married to a man. And I, because of the abuse that happened to me when I was eight years old, I cannot marry a male. I cannot physically be with a man. Therefore, I'm never going to get married. And if I'm never going to get married, I'm never going to have children. And a Jewish woman is supposed to have children. That's why she's here in this world. And therefore, I should die. And if I die, I'll make room for not, this was a, I'll make room for a girl that'll come and she'll get married and have children. So what, what do I need to live for? So, of course, when you're in a psych ward, you, you, especially with this situation, with her, there was a therapist sitting next to me at all times when I was talking to her. Like I was going to do, tell her something you know crazy, whatever. But that—that's the rule. So I looked at her and I said, "So the reason you're not going to get married is because of what this guy did to you." I said, "I, I, I need Hashem's help. I always need Hashem's help. I, I needed an answer for her. Hashem sent me the answer." I said, "I want to ask you a question. I'll tell you a story about a little boy. This little boy." 
And he asked his mother, he never had ice cream in his life. And he complained, Ma, my friends all have ice cream. You never bought me ice cream. So, his mother went out and bought him a tub, quart of ice cream, chocolate ice cream. It's in the freezer. He comes home from school. He says to mother, give me that ice cream. I want that ice cream. Father's like, give me? Give me? That's what we talk to your mother? I'll give you. Opens up the freezer. Takes out this quart of ice cream. Takes the cover off. Says, come here, Yingola. Kid comes over. Oh, chocolate ice cream. He takes the ice cream. and He shoves it in the kid's face. And he holds it there. Could you imagine? A tub of freezing ice cream in your face. The kid's trying to breathe. He can't breathe. He's turning blue. Uh, right? The father's holding the mother's like, what are you doing? You crazy? And the last second he takes it off, the kid's like, <gasps> next time you say thank, you say please. Sugar, father. Sugar. I said to the girl, you think this kid's ever going to eat ice cream again? For sure not. Ice cream, trauma equals I can't breathe. I said, do you know what I would tell this kid after this trauma? I would say, kid, come here. I want to ask you a question. Is ice cream bad? Is ice cream bad? No. Then why wouldn't you eat ice cream again? Because this good ice cream was used in a very bad way. So... You can eat ice cream without it being stuffed in your face that you can't breathe. And slowly but surely, we, we get him back. So I said to this girl, I said, physically, physically between a man and a woman who are married is called zivug. Zivug is a very kaddishtika thing. But it has to be between a man and a woman that's married and at a certain time. So physical man and woman is not a bad thing with the right person at the right time when you're married. It's very holy. But this person who hurt you took that and used it to suffocate you, to hurt you, to put you into pain. At the end of the day, it was abused. That's why it's called abuse. So, it's not a bad thing. It's just was not used correctly in any which way. And she understood that. And she was macabre that. And the therapist that was sitting next to me said, Rabbi, we have this all the time, that kids that went through this trauma, they don't want to have anything to do with, you know, whether it's a girl or a boy. If it's a girl with a man, she doesn't have anything to do with a man. And if it's a boy, it doesn't have anything to do with a girl. And something that we always have a problem with, and we never know how to speak about this, we're going to write a memorandum in your name, Dr. Wallstein. We're going to write a memorandum that this is what we're going to tell all kids, that it's not a bad thing, it was just abused. Ice cream's not a bad thing, the father abused the ice cream. It seems to be here that Dina, after what happened, felt the same way as this girl. I'm not coming out because this was such a bad thing. I'm not coming out. I'm not coming back to Kleistral. I'll stay with the guy. I'm, I'm done. And what Shimon did was telling her, no, what Shem did to you was abuse. He abused what you're supposed to do. But I'll marry you. And I'll make what happened the Kedusha. 
It's not what happened, it's how it happened and who it happened with. And the minute he said, I'll marry you, she stepped back into Klai Because she understood, if he's willing to marry me, then I could do what happened to me, which was totally abuse, can be Bikadusha. And that's why Dina, I read it from the safe, it's not my thing. That's why Dina came back right away. Came back with Shimon, she married Eve, whatever she married after, whatever it is. But Shimon understood that my sister's not coming out of this. She went through sexual abuse. In the Torah, the story, she went through sexual abuse by, she was raped by Shem. Crazy stuff for, for the daughter of Yaakov. Sick stuff, crazy stuff that to happen to her. She said, I'm, I'm, it's an interest, everything, everything that we have in our world is in the Torah. She said, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm staying in this house. What do you mean you stay in this house? But this guy did you. So first of all, it's the whole thing that the, abu- the person who's abused never loses the abuser. Here it is. Right here. The person who's abused, right, stays always with the abuser. There are women that have black, black eyes, broken nose, and you're like, we're calling the police, we're taking you to a hospital. She's like, no, no, I fell. You're fall. You're fall. Come on. And the answer is that the people who get abused, they stay with the abuser. Dina wanted to stay stay in the house. She wasn't going to leave the house. So that you see that, that there is such a thing that the what do you mean? Well, that the guy he was honest to you. Would he run for your life? No, I'd rather stay here than be than be ashamed. And a lot of the trauma girls that I deal with in this type of abuse would just rather not talk about it, and therefore they don't talk about it. Because of the shame. And they shouldn't be ashamed because the guy who did it should be ashamed and punished. They should not be ashamed. They don't want to come out. They don't want to talk about it. Dina didn't want to deal with it. Dina didn't want to talk about it. I'll stay here. Nobody's going to talk about it here, right? Because he was, he was a big shot. And that's it. And Shimon said, no, you don't need to do that. Because this happened to you, we still accept you. We still love you. We love you. I love you. To, we love you as a sister to the extent that we're not judging you. I wish people would would act like this, would learn from this, not to judge, because normally the victim in sexual abuse becomes victimized. It's your fault, it's what, you know, you went snoah, maybe if you didn't get dressed like that, it wouldn't happen to you, the kid's eight years old, what are you talking about? What are you saying? Or 12 years old, what are you saying? So we victimized the victim. Shimon stepped up and did the opposite. I'll marry you. I'll marry you. No, no, I'm not going to victimize you and blame you. I'll marry you. She said, you'll marry me? I'm going home with you. Turned the whole thing over. They would have lost you otherwise. What a crazy lesson. You know, today we have all this stuff. It's all here. It's all here. Everything's in the Torah. Everything's in the Torah. And I know that people are going to call and send me emails and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you Exactly where it's from. Let's tell you where it's from. Straight up so you can look it up. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Let me just read it to you. Rabbi Hadeyev, there's many different opinions. Mina says Dina Bas Yaakov. Who married Dina? The Medrash Rabbi and Bereshis, 
Isid says, Sha'akhish Hogushim Lis Achichem, after they killed Shimon Levi killed the Ashishchem Kadela Hatlas Dina Khasibyadam in order to save Dina, their sister, from their hands. His Baisha Dina Ma'id, Dina became very embarrassed. His mamish what happens in sexual abuse to to everybody. The victim becomes embarrassed. Ma'id, very much. The Lord what the says me Bashem. She did not want to leave Medjish Rabba. Medjish Rabba. She did not want to leave the house of Shem. Although she said, Anna Ayukas Khabasi. I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna reveal my, my shame. I'm gonna be like a schmutz in front of them. Who's gonna marry a person like me? Exactly like that girl in the, in, in, in the, in the ward. Better I'm with the Goyim, well they'll look at me like a normal person, cause it happens all the time, than coming back to my father's house. Add until Shinijma lost Shimon, Shimon of the of, of the Shevet, Isha, that I will I will that you I'll take you as my wife. For us then his schema lelech in my shvatim. She agreed to go with the shvatim. Where did this come from? Is that lashon hamedrash bereishis rabba? This is the lashon of the medrash rabbin bereishis. By Yichu es Dina, they took Dina. Amar Rav Huna, Rav Huna said. It's hard to break away from what happened. Who's gonna who's gonna marry me? Better I stay with the guy. The Rambam says there's a machlekes in the Medrash if Shimon married her. So there's a machlekes and says that he didn't marry her, but he left, he, she lived in his house, Ka'amana. And she went down to Mitzrayim and she died there. He did not marry her, but she stayed, she stayed in his house. Litish Weizenbaum, Dayan, in Pressburg, Moise B'zei Neipach, Shlifi Rambam, Nikwid Dina, Shol Ben Achnanis, Shol Ben Achnanis, Lehmi Shem Shnitz and Shimon, Elmi Shem Shishimon, Eloi Zem, Mitzrayim, Rukabu Kanan. She was called out because she didn't marry her, but he brought it to Eretz Kanan. V'ayim Ash Ketzat, to be self, in your mother, where there shall Dina, Lifi Rambam, Ash Meshidina, Gamla, the Eel, where you left her. According to Rambam, she didn't marry anyone. Because she sat like a like a widow, but uh, according to um, so that she, you know how old she was when this happened. Yalkud Ruvaini says she was seven years old. She became pregnant. Those days, of course, it was different. When she was eight years old, she gave birth to Asnas. When she became nine years old, she married Shimon, her brother. When Yaakov died, she was 57 years old. And six years after Yaakov died and all the brothers died, she married Eir when she was 63 years old. And he was 28. Okay, so there seems to be a lot of different pshatim. 
But the Medrash Rabbi says very clearly that he took her and he married her and she came back to Klaishal. In the end, she gave birth to Athnas. Athnas married Yosef, gave birth to Ephraim and Menashe. So, in the end, she got two Shvatim. The only two Shvatim that were grandchildren of Yaakov, not children of Yaakov. So from this terrible thing came Ephraim and Menashe, and when we bench our kids, we, we don't want them to go through this exactly, but we bench our boys, why not Kavram Yitzhak and Yaakov? Because Ephraim and Menashe came in this derech, and they, were, they, they grew up in Golos, and being that we're in Golos, we're benching our kids, that even though Ephraim and Menashe were in Golos, they stayed Yiddish, right? They, stayed, they, didn't, they didn't assimilate. Therefore, we bench our children, that even though we're in America, you should be like a Ashe. You shouldn't talk their language, sing their music, you shouldn't dress like them, and your names should be Yiddish names. You should be Zeicha, you should be Zeicha, to see all the Shifteka with Yaakov Avinu, and to bring back all the mitzvahs that we do, that there should be no dust, that they should all be shiny and new. Agudanacht. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.